This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. All right. Well, it's such a joy and an honor to be with all of you today here at Exceed Life, and we deeply appreciate our dear friends, your pastors, Pastor David and Yen, and they are just marvelous people. We just love them so much, and we always enjoy fellowshipping with them. And when I'm with your pastor, man, he's just, you know, a fountain of information about all kinds of great things. And no, seriously, and I I really enjoy his company and his wife. You know, she's a, a, a wonderful, wonderful woman of God. And it's been a joy to know them all these many years. And we're still friends. We still get along real well, you know. And <laughs> so I, hey, you know, while I'm here, maybe it would be good for me to say, I think you should show a little love and appreciation toward your pastors. Why not give them a nice, warm, you know, uh, maybe stick up another offering. But uh, uh, let them know how much you love them. We do, too. And um, we also have uh, with us here this Sunday some friends of ours, uh, Brother Marvin Morales and his family are there. Why don't you uh, wave at everybody there? They're on the third row there. And, and uh, so nice. So nice to see them. Wonderful, wonderful. And Brother Marvin travels uh, to Latin America quite a lot. And he's uh, ministering to people there and just a tremendous work of God. And so we really deeply appreciate him so much and his wonderful family. Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, what else can I say? I have Pastor Jeppy with me here, too. And uh, it's always nice to be with her. I think I'll take her home. And then... um, (laughs) And then if you'd like to know more about our ministry, I would just invite you to go to our website when you have a chance, not right now, but when you have a chance, and I'll give you the URL that the address is uh, sophie.life, S-O-F-I, it stands for Spirit of Faith International, sophie.life, L-I-F-E, and so you can, you know, learn a bit more about what's going on. In fact, if you want, you can even uh, download, you know, free messages and things of that nature, and, and uh, maybe that would bless you. I, I, I trust that it does. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to share with you what the Lord has laid on my heart, and this is the direction that seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to begin by asking you to turn with me in the Word of God or in your cell phone to Second Chronicles chapter 16, and I'm going to read verse 12 and 13. I will be reading from the English Standard Version uh, much of uh, the message this morning, but you follow me in whatever Bible you have, and that that will be just fine. But before we begin, I would like to stop for a moment and just... uh just wait on God for another hour. I'd just like to stop and pray. Father, we come to you in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you for the power of the living Christ. We pray today that you would open the hearts of the people to receive and to respond to the word of God the way you opened the heart of Lydia as Paul preached. I believe, Father God, that he that speaks will speak as the oracles of God, and may he that minister do so with the ability that you furnish. So so that in all things Jesus Christ may be glorified. To him belong the dominion and the power forever. Father, you know where we are, you know where we need to be, and you know how to get us there. So we yield ourselves to the great and mighty Holy Spirit, the teacher of the church, and we give you all the honor and all the praise. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Someone shout amen. Notice with me Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 12 and 13. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. I want to talk to you this morning about healing, divine healing by the power of God. Anyone desiring healing from heaven must first understand this, that healing is God's will. God said in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, I am the Lord, your healer. He is a healer. In fact, one translation, the expanded Bible says, your physician. And he is just as much your physician 
as he was Israel's. And doctors are not in the business of making people sick, but making them well. No one goes to the doctor saying, well, I'm perfectly fine, but I was hoping you could give me a disease. No, they're in the business of helping people recover. And if you come to the Lord, he's not going to put a disease on you. He's not interested in that. That's not his business. His business is to see you become well. In the four Gospels, we read continually that Jesus healed the sick. Amen. Not once, not once do we read that he made a healthy person sick. Amen. Praise the Lord. And Jesus said in John 6, 38, that he came to do not his own will, but the will of him that sent him. He came to do the Father's will. So therefore, healing must be God's will because Jesus is the will of God in action. And nowhere do we read that Jesus ever turned anyone who needed sickness, who needed healing, who had sickness, never turned anyone away. Never once did Jesus ever say, I'm sorry, it's not my will to heal you. I'm sorry, God's using this sickness to perfect your piety or deepen your devotion. Never once did he say that. And since Jesus never said that, we should never say that. Praise the Lord. Let's look at another scripture. We're talking about healing. Psalm 103 verse 2 reminds us, and forget not all his benefits. Most Christians don't realize there are any benefits to knowing the Lord, except maybe going to heaven. Now, it's interesting, they, they probably know all the benefits that come with their job, with their employment. You know, in fact, that's one of the main questions people ask while considering taking a job. Well, what are the benefits? Is there a benefit package, especially health care? In fact, one of the greatest uh, fears that people have in losing their job is not the loss of income, but the termination of their health care coverage. You hear people say that. Hmm? Well, God has a benefits package for you. But you need to remember these things. And verse 3 tells us what they are, at least some of them. It says, who forgives all your iniquities, and that's not all, who heals all your diseases. Psalm 103, verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. So if we believe, and we all believe the first part of verse 3, that he forgives your sins, why don't we believe the second part, that he heals your diseases? You know, in my life, I've never heard, I have never heard a Christian, a genuine Christian say, well, sometimes God forgives and sometimes he doesn't. I've never heard anybody say that. I've never heard any Christian say, God doesn't forgive anymore. That's not for us today. I cannot recall ever a Christian, a bona fide believer, praying, Lord, please forgive me if it is your will. We, we do not question God's willingness to forgive our sin. So why would we question God's willingness to heal our bodies? It's part of the benefits. And notice again in that verse, it says, who forgives all your iniquities. Not just some, not just a few, not just occasionally. He is willing to forgive all your iniquities. And that's not all. Who heals all your diseases, not just some. So, that, so some people think, well, my case is different. This is the exception. No, darling, it's not. <laughs> you are included. Amen. Praise the Lord. Does that mean that we are automatically forgiven? No, it means that his mercies are available to us. When we fall, we fall at his feet. Amen. When we mess up, we fess up. We come to him through our advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, and receive cleansing. Hallelujah. And obviously, healing is not automatic. If that was the case, there would be no sick people in the body of Christ, but there are. So we come to Christ, our healer, and receive that which he has provided for us. Healing is God's will. In other words, it's just as easy to be healed as it is to be forgiven. And if we had the same confidence in praying for healing as we do for forgiveness, we would not struggle to be healed. 
So in other words, if someone came up to you, maybe after this service, someone in the, ser- someone in the meeting today, the church service, came up to you and said, uh, brother, sister, would you pray for me? Because this week I sinned. I told a lie, and my heart feels so condemned. Would you, would you say, oh, this is going to take a miracle. We're going we're gonna to have a special meeting tonight. We're going to all fast and pray and we're going to just storm the gates of heaven, brother. And uh, we're just going to just intercede for your breakthrough today. We're calling on the prayer line. I, d- I doubt that you would say that. I think that calmly you would tell the person, you know, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Hallelujah. And so, brother, you can just pray with me. Just ask God to forgive you, and he will. And after you got through praying, if that person said, I know that we prayed, but I don't feel forgiven, we'd say, no one asked you how you felt, darling. (laughs) The Bible says it's so. So just believe it. But if someone came up to you and said, pray for me, I've got cancer, we panic. We go berserk. Oh, my God, somebody do something, you know. We we go into, we call it faith, but it actually is nothing more than plain, unadulterated fear. What if we had the same confidence? Well, we'll just pray because James chapter 5, verse 15 says, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. So we'll pray and you'll receive. But we don't think that way. Why? Because we're not conscious of all his benefits. Again, I quoted it, James 5.15 says this, The prayer of faith will save or actually heal the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. James 5.15. What kind of prayer? Just any kind of prayer? The prayer of desperation? No, the prayer of faith. Amen? So faith is being sure. Faith is being sure that what you hope for is going to happen. So if you're not sure, that's not faith. Right? If somebody says, somebody asks you a question, are you born again? Are you saved? If you say, I'm not sure, well, then we have trouble. We have a problem with that. We have to deal with that, right? All right, so James said the prayer of faith will heal the sick. If it's God's will to heal some people but not others, then nobody could pray with faith because no one could be sure that God was willing to heal them. What if I said this morning, you know, what if I said God has just blessed me so much and and so I could give every one of you a thousand dollars. Could you have faith for that? No, I said I could. I didn't say I would. I said I could. (laughs) That ain't going to help you. <laughs> Bill Gates could stand here and say, I'm gonna give every, I could give every one of you a million dollars. We, we say, we, we knew that before you said it. <laughs> that doesn't help you at all. If I said, and this is a hypothetical situation, don't talk to me after the service. What if I said, I want to give every one of you a million dollars, would that help you? No, I don't have a million dollars. I can't help. I can't help you. <laughs> it's not going to help you at all. <laughs> What, what, if, what if I had the money and I said, I'm going to give three people in this room a million dollars today? Could you have faith for that? Some are saying, yes, bring it on. <laughs> no, no. Do, do you realize there are more than three people in this room right now? How do you know you're one of the three? Faith in what? How do you know you're the one? It couldn't. It could. It could be somebody else, not you. I just said three. I didn't. I didn't specify which three. See, if I said that, nobody. And I'm just talking about naturally speaking, faith in me. Nobody could have faith that they'd get anything. You could hope for it, but that's not the same as knowing. If I said I have the ability and I'm willing to give everybody here a million dollars, then you could believe it. So you see, when, when, when theologians and others say, well, God is willing to heal some but not others, if that's the case, then James is wrong in telling us to pray with faith because if God is not willing to heal all, how could anybody know whether they would receive? When people need salvation, do we say, 
We pray, brother, that God would save you if it's his will. Well, no one, no one could get saved that way because you're telling that person maybe God doesn't want to save you. Are you listening to me? In fact, that's what I want to say. If healing is God's will, why are so many Christians sick? It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. If healing is God's will, why are so many Christians sick? Well, I will answer your question with a question. How about that? If salvation is God's will, why are so many sinners lost? Because God's will does not happen automatically. God's will for your life does not happen automatically. Have you ever been outside of God's will? Don't raise your hand. We know you have. So you, your will has something to do with this, right? Amen. It is God's will for all sinners to be saved, but they have to know that, and most don't. So if the sinner does not hear the gospel, he cannot believe. And if he does not believe, he cannot be saved. Likewise, if the believer does not hear the truth concerning healing, he cannot have faith for it. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. And it is not enough to believe in healing as a doctrine. I know, especially like where where we minister in northeast India, it actually has a a strong Christian background, which is unique to that place in India. And uh, many people in Nagaland, that's the state, many people there believe in salvation. But if you ask them, that's nice, but are you saved? They'll say, pray for me which means they don't know. You can believe in healing and go to an early grave. That's not enough. You need a confident expectation. In fact, we'll go one step further. Faith is not only being sure that what you hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things not seen. It is knowing that something is real, even though you do not yet see it. So it's, you need to believe that you have healing even before you feel or see any change in your circumstance. Are you here today? So we're asking the question, well, why then are so many Christians sick? The scripture that we read in the beginning in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 tells us about King Asa from the Old Testament. And he had an ailment in his feet. And evidently, it, it, at first, it was a minor uh, illness, but it progressively got worse. Yet he did not seek the Lord, but only the physicians. He did not die because he went to the doctor. He died because he did not go to God. He did not seek healing from heaven. It's not a sin to go to the doctor. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you that. If I had to go to the doctor, I would, and I have in the past, and I would again. It's not a sin to go to the doctor for treatment any more than it's a sin to go to the banker for a loan. But the banker is not my source. God is. And the doctor is not my healer. God is. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Many Christians are like Asa. When they're sick, they don't even consider going to the Lord for healing. That's the furthest thought, furthest thing from their mind. And if you were to suggest, well, why don't you seek the Lord? Why don't you ask God to heal you? Many Christians in the body of Christ, they would look at you askance. They would look at you like, you know, like you're, you're a loon. You're, you're, a, you're a nutcase. Because the whole idea is so far-fetched and, and incredible and ridiculous to them. You know, like, and if they do, and many Christians, even if they do pray, it's an afterthought. Something they do as a last resort. That's not biblical thinking. I said, that's not biblical thinking. That's not what the Bible says. No scripture in the Bible says, when all else fails, try God. Ain't no, ain't no verse in the Bible says that. Rather, this is what the Bible says. For Psalm 46, verse 1 contemporary English version, Psalm Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our mighty fortress, always ready, I like that, always ready to help in time of trouble. So God doesn't have to get ready. He's always ready. 
You know, like you had to wait on your wife this morning. My wife had to wait on me. But God's always ready. Right? Where are you? He's always ready. That means when you need healing, he's always ready to heal. So when we have when we have issues in our body, when we have physical symptoms, our first thought should be Christ is my healer. Healing is the children's bread. Healing is part of my inheritance. That should be the first thought that comes to your mind. And if it's not, then we need to dig a little deeper into the word and get the word a little deeper into us. Asa forgot God's benefits. And you have to remember, Asa's father wrote that verse. David. Asa's father, I mean, not his immediate father, but he's in the lineage of David. His father wrote that verse. And he forgot it. He knew it. He forgot it. Are you listening to me? He had more confidence in a man that he could see than in a God he could not see. And it says he slept with his father. Some of you look like you're sleeping right now, but he he actually died. (laughs) Are you listening to me? Many years ago, I preached. I was invited to preach in a church in uh, the northernmost part or, or the northern part of India. And, uh, and at, when the meeting was over, I took a, a plane, uh, an airliner, back to our part of India, which is on the other side of the country. And surprisingly, in the small little airport there, there was a woman from Nagaland who, who I knew somewhat. And she was as surprised to see me as I was to see her. And so, uh, you know, on the plane, she sat near to me with her husband. And so she asked me, well, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I was holding a meeting in a certain church, you know. And she said, oh. Then she explained to me that her husband had cancer and that they had flown to uh, some, that area, and and traveled further to the Himalayan regions, the Himalayan mountains, because, as she explained, there was one, I think, Tibetan guru who they believed could somehow help them get healed, help her husband recover. And I told her that uh, she needs, she and her husband need to come to our church. This woman was a Christian. Her husband, I mean, supposedly, they're Christians. And they live in the same town that we live in. In fact, not far, not too far from our church. I mean, it's, you know, it's just a little five, ten minute drive for them. And, and I said, you need to come to our church. You need to hear the word of God. And she thanked me, and they never came. Not even once. Not even one time. What happened? Well, that guy slept with his fathers, too. (laughs) Sorry, he died. Think about it. So many people are like, they they have more faith. They'd scale the Himalayan mountains to meet some hoodoo guru who will tell you the meaning of life is one hand clapping or some other kind of nonsense like that, but they won't even go to the Word of God. Hey, is anybody here today? They won't. If you suggest that you read your Bible, that you know they 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 just scoff at that. Hallelujah! Are you still here today? We read in Second Chronicles chapter twenty and verse twelve. You don't have to turn there, but in Second Chronicles chapter twenty. A massive army came to invade Judah, and Hezekiah prayed. And in his prayer, he said in verse 12, 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 12, we are powerless, he's praying to the Lord, we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. So he described the situation. It doesn't look good. He, 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 he clearly confessed his own inability to meet it. But that's not all. He said, but our eyes are on you. If, you're, if, if your eyes are on something, that means you're focused. I think some Christians have one eye on God and one eye on man. That we call that being double-minded. <laughs> right? Amen. I think many people don't get healed because they're too distracted. There's always something going on when they pray. And I I have to deal with this myself. When we pray, you know, the cell phone is right there. Just seems to call you by name. Come pick me up. Look at me. You know, 
I think some of us are addicted to our, our phones. That's why they're called a cell phone. We're imprisoned. <laughs> right? And, and, and there's so much. You've got, you've got to push these things away. I mean, I know people have serious illnesses, and, and they're still distracted with, you know, the, the food channel. Honey, if you don't receive your healing, you're not going to be eating any food in a short while. <laughs> right? Our eyes are on you. I'm not suggesting this morning, please listen to me carefully. I'm not suggesting that you not take medicine or that you never seek medical treatment. I didn't say that, okay? What I am saying is it is a mistake to put your full faith and confidence in doctors and medicine. And I think an honest doctor would also agree with that. He's not God. Doctors can be wrong. Nurses, hospitals, they can be wrong. Every day there are, there are you know, thousands of malpractice suits. I'm not, I'm not speaking disparagingly of the medical profession. My mother was a nurse, but I'm just telling you that that's the truth. They're not God. Doctors don't heal people. Medicine doesn't heal people. All they can do is treat the body to help it mend itself. But our God gives life to the dead. And there's a huge difference. And besides that, our heavenly physician, you don't have to wait six weeks to get an appointment. You can call on him right now. And afterwards, there's no bill. (laughs) Recovered from the illness, but now I'm in bankrupt. (laughs) Are you out there today? Praise the Lord. So what I'm saying is make the Lord your primary care provider today. Sometimes I'm tempted, you know, when you go somewhere and they say, and who is your primary health care provider? Jesus. Just to freak him out, you know. <laughs> Just to tweak him. <laughs> but maybe, maybe we should say that. Jesus. <laughs> They'd probably try to send me to the mental ward if I did that. Let the Lord be your family doctor. Amen. The one you go to first. Why do some Christians fail to receive healing? You know, in John chapter 5, verse 6, uh, Jesus approached a man who had been uh, unable to walk, paralyzed for 38 years. And he asked this man a question in John chapter 5, verse 6. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? By the way, it's interesting, if you read that chapter, chapter 5, like verses 2 to 4, it tells us that there were five porticos, kind of like roofs, uh, colonnades in Bethesda, one city, Bethesda. There was a large crowd of sick people that were waiting for the moving of the water. Now, in the New King James, King James Version, it says in verse 4, because an angel came and troubled the water. And whoever stepped in first was healed of whatever disease he has. I might say this to you that, not to get too technical, but just to explain this. In the best, most reliable, or the oldest Greek manuscripts that we have, verse 4 is not found. However, in verse 7, Jesus asked this man about healing, and he said, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is troubled, but while I'm coming, another steps in. And nobody, nobody uh, questions the authenticity of verse 7. Well, this man's telling us something's going on there because you don't just get healed because you step into a pool. We all know that. So, so something is happening. Evidently, the best explanation is that, that an angel did come and troubled the water. And uh, it's kind of interesting. That was a supernatural demonstration of God's power. And it's interesting, whoever stepped in first was healed, whether the person was, uh, you know, tall or short or, you know, smart or not, not so smart, or rich or poor or whatever disease yet. The first guy in got, got healed. But the only problem is they didn't know when that angel was going to come. He doesn't come every Tuesday at three o'clock. He just shows up kind of randomly. So they're all just sitting there waiting, waiting for the water to be troubled. Here's the problem. Yet all those people were Jews. They all had a covenant of healing. They forgot his benefits. They didn't have to wait for that. That could happen. 
But they didn't have to wait for that. They could have claimed their covenant rights and have been healed. There's an unpredictable quality to manifestations of the Spirit. Things like gifts of healing, working of miracles, things of that nature, like, like we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and those things can happen and will happen, and thank God for them, but you can't always predict how and when and where that will occur. Do you understand what I'm saying? Most people are not healed by a manifestation of the Spirit. Some are, and thank God for that. I'm all in favor of that. I've had people healed that way in my own ministry, but not most. Most people are healed by simply acting on the word of God in faith. Most people are healed, you see. And you can't really tell God how you'd like him to minister healing to you. You don't have the right to tell him, now this is how I'd want it. Uh, let's make it Monday after I come home from work, and uh, uh, I'll just—I'd ha- like the pastor to anoint me with oil. Come to my house and, and anoint me with oil, and let him bring the the wonderful singers from this morning. I want them to be singing, uh, you know, Chris Tomlin in the background. And no, 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 you don't have a right to tell God how to minister to you. Huh? Praise the Lord. One time they brought a blind man to Jesus, and he spit on him. <laughs> That would not be my preferred method. (laughs) But the guy got healed, you know, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's an unpredictable quality. Waiting for gifts of the Spirit to manifest is like waiting for the phone to ring. It could happen. It could happen. You sit there all day long and say, okay, waiting for that phone to ring. But you don't have to wait for that. You can pick up the phone and call yourself. Just dial J-E-S-U-S-F-A-I-T-H, and boom, you got the straight line to heaven. You don't have to wait for the Spirit of God to move. You can move. <laughs> you can believe God. You have a covenant with, of healing with the covenant-keeping God, and you can receive what he's provided for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you here today? So let me say this again. Jesus asked this paralyzed man, do you want to be healed? Seems like a ridiculous question. I mean, what a silly thing. Do you want the guy's been sick 38 years? He's sitting waiting for an angel and you ask him, do you want to be healed? But it's not a silly question. Not at all. I've ministered to a few people in my day and you'd be surprised how many sick people that you ask will tell you, I don't really care. I pray I've visited people and asked them, do you want the Lord to heal you? And some of them said no. Some people, I think, enjoy being sick. They kind of like the attention. I know you're not here this morning, but if you need it, just just take it. Some people enjoy it. The people waiting on you hand and foot. Isn't it funny how some people, some husbands, always have back problems the day the trash is supposed to be taken out? (laughs) That's flaring up on me. Oh, oh, we got to move furniture. Oh, you know, I got that sclerosis, scolorosis, whatever it is. (laughs) If... Some people don't want to be healed because they'll lose their disability check. Well, you ain't never going to get healing from heaven if you, if you want to be sick. You've got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So that means healing not only depends on God's will, it also depends on your will. Do you want to be healed? The Amplified Bible, the classic version, says this. Are you really in earnest about getting well? See, that kind of suggests maybe, maybe, maybe he's not. So how strong is your desire to be healed? Man, now it's really quiet in this Presbyterian church. I think we've gone to Episcopal now. <laughs> Do you really want to be healed? The woman with the issue of blood, she pushed her way through the crowd to touch Jesus. One paralyzed man had four of his friends carry him on a cot and punch a hole in the ceiling and lower him to Jesus. One time, Jesus, I mentioned he spit on a blind man. Here's another blind man in John chapter 9. He, he spit on the ground and he made mud from the dirt 
And he, the Bible says he wiped it on the blind man's eyes. Now see, today he'd be arrested. But he, he wiped it on the blind man's eyes, and that's not all. Told him, go wash it off in the pool of Siloam. And if you read the end of John chapter 8, I believe, he had just stepped outside of the temple complex, temple area in Jerusalem. And the Pool of Siloam, you look at a map, the Pool of Siloam in ancient Jerusalem was on the other side of town. It's not just right there. It's on the other side of town, and it's not a straight shot. Just just take this main road. He had to go through all kinds of turns and, and narrow passageways. And by the way, How's a blind man going to get anywhere anyways? Much less with mud on his face. People, a lot of people would say that's cruel. That is cruel. Jesus didn't say, now I'm going to take you. Uh, Peter, uh, John, you take him. No, no, he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he just, I guess he went to go have lunch or something. I don't know what he did. And, uh, but the man did it. The man did it. Tradition says he had a little boy lead him. I don't know, but, but he did it. How's, how earnest are you? To be healed. Meanwhile, we have some Christians who won't even go to church. Why? Oh, didn't you see in Canada that there's a new... You ain't living in Canada. (laughs) What's that got to do with you? (laughs) Come on, some people won't even go to church. I mean, even just under normal times, some people wake up with their moistened finger in the air to see which way the wind is blowing. I can't go to church today. Why? I see a cloud in the sky the size of a man's hand. <laughs> I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I borrowed that from Pastor Privet. <laughs> you know, they're, they're looking for a reason not to go. How serious are you about being healed? Years ago in Nagaland, many years ago, we advertised in the newspaper a miracle meeting. Miracle meeting. You know, we had a, a guest speaker come, a friend of mine. Miracle meeting. And so some fellow called me on the phone and said, are you having a special meeting? And I said, tonight? I said, yes. Are you coming? He said, no, I can't come. I have a sore throat. Well, that's, that's why I called a miracle meeting. <laughs> we don't need a miracle meeting for people who don't need a miracle. How strong is your desire to be healed? How strong is your want to? I said, how strong is your want to? People say, well, you just can't do it. No, I mean, if you really want to, you can, you can get there. They, they, they lowered that guy through the roof. <laughs> how strong is your want to? Well, there's a lot of traffic today. Uh, how strong is your want to? I didn't sleep well last night. How strong is your want to? Huh? I heard the story. I heard the story about a man, and uh, he was walking home from work at night, and he had to pass through the cemetery. And it's dark, he can't see well, and there was a freshly cut grave. And he fell into that freshly cut grave, deep hole in the ground. And it's like, you know, 10 feet deep or something. And he, he tried, and he tried, and, and he can't get out of there. He tried, and so he thought, well, I'll just have to sit here in this hole in the ground till morning, and somebody comes along and gets me out of here. So he just sat there in the dark. Meanwhile, this fellow came, was inebriated. He's all lit up on booze. And he's like, you know, walking through the cemetery. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go home. And he fell in the same hole. <laughs> and they're sharing the hole together. But he doesn't see the other guy. So he thought, well, this will be fun. So in a real scary voice, he said, you will never get out of here. But that drunk guy did. He got out of there real quick. <laughs> How strong is your want to? (laughs) It's amazing what you can do when you really want to. (laughs) How strong is your desire to be healed? You can make it happen. I mean, you you can get there. I mean, I realize there's exceptions, and but I mean, come on. I know the difference between a real reason and a flimsy excuse, and you do too. Amen. I got to go on. I, I, my time's running out here. John 15, verse 7. Let me give you another verse here. John 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Ask whatever you wish, whatever you desire, whatever you want. 
and it will be done for you. Now, whatever you wish would have to include healing. He didn't say whatever you wish except healing. He said whatever you wish, so that would have to include healing. But notice this wonderful promise is conditional. It's only valid for those who abide in Christ and have Christ's words abiding in them. The Greek word for abide, meno, means to reside or to remain. So Jesus didn't say, if you're familiar with some Bible verses, you've heard that before. No, 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 no. The word must be alive in you. It must be just because you have a memory doesn't mean it's living in you. Just because you have a T-shirt doesn't mean that you're there now. (laughs) Right. Amen. So this promise is only for those who have a relationship with Christ and his word. Now, it's easy to say, oh, yes, I know the Lord. And the next question is, and how well? I have relatives that I don't know very well. I have some relatives I haven't seen in years. I have some others that I only see on holidays. Oh, I know the Lord. And how well? Is your relationship distant? You see him every Sunday morning? Actually, not every Sunday, most Sundays. That's not a very close relationship. Are you dating Jesus or are you married to him? (laughs) He's not interested in dating you. (laughs) It's real quiet again in this Roman Catholic church. Are you here today? (laughs) Hallelujah. Man, so... In, and, and this verse, John chapter 15, verse 7, the emphasis is not on the petition, but on the petitioner. I said the emphasis is not on the petition, but on the petitioner. It's not what's being asked for because Jesus said whatever you ask. It's on who is doing the asking. Who's asking? So when you pray, the first thing God asks himself is not what. What are you asking for? But who? Who's asking me this? If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Then it will work for you. And by the way, notice in that verse again, John 15, verse 7, notice how often Jesus uses the word you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. He didn't say, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for someone else. This is talking about you. You can pray for others, but you can't have faith for others always. We each have to take the responsibility, not only to abide in Christ, but to get the word into our hearts. You know, um, Brother Kenneth Hagin, you know, we, we graduated from his Bible school and so indebted to his ministry to this day. But his wife, Aretha Hagen by her own admission, said that through much of her life, she just relied on her husband's faith, because he's obviously a great man of God, you know, certainly. So she just relied on him, his faith, his prayers. But she realized, she came to the point where she realized she has to have her own faith. She has to believe God for herself. She has to stand on your own two legs, so to speak. Well, she developed a blockage in her heart later in life, a blockage. Doctor said it was serious. And she was determined. So she spent extra time. I mean, I'm sure she prayed and read her Bible like all believers do or should. But she, she really honed in. She focused. She pushed in. And she spent extra time every day for weeks, months perhaps, just feeding, feeding on the word of God. Not just skimming. Not just glancing. Some people have a little little box of promises. Before they run out the door, they pick up their little little verse for today. Jesus wept. Okay, bless me, Lord. And they're out the door. That's not going to work. You're going to have to f- take time to be nourished up. You have to get into the Word until the Word gets into you. When it's in you and abiding in you, you'll know it. And by the way, God will know it. Even the devil will know it. <laughs> Amen. And so she said she, she was doing it. She was se- seated I suppose, in her home, just reading her Bible one evening. And she said she suddenly saw like a hand, a man's, like a, a man's hand. And it reached into her chest and pulled something out. And she saw that hand lay something on the table. And she said, and I knew I was healed. Amen. That is to say, I knew I had it in my body. 
She went right back to the doctor who examined her and said, that blockage is gone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So again, many people are not healed simply because they're not taking time to ponder and think and study on God's word. If you will meditate, you will medicate. The word will heal you. Let me give you one more verse. My time is probably over now. If I go too long, they'll never have me back. First John, <laughs> that's not a joke, actually. First John chapter 2, verse 22. I've got I to wrap this up. First John 2, 22 says this. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So this verse also talks about whatever you ask, and that would have to include healing. Whatever you ask, that would have to include healing. But notice this is also conditional. One translation says this, again, 1 John chapter 2, verse 22, the New Life Version says, we will receive from him whatever we ask if we obey him and do what he wants. Did you know that verse is in the Bible? Again, the emphasis is on the petitioner, not the petition. Sometimes the prayer, the prayer is in God's will, but the prayer isn't. And that's the problem. So sometimes healing isn't always spelled H-E-A-L-I-N-G. Sometimes in the Bible, it's spelled R-E-P-E-N-T. <laughs> sometimes healing is spelled O-B-E-Y. Well, now it's really quiet. Is this mic working? <laughs> In other words, many times we've prayed, we're believing, no change. We need to make a, an adjustment in our attitude, in our actions. And it's not always some big thing. Sometimes it's just a small little adjustment, and boom, there you go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He says if we keep his commandments, does that mean that we've got to go back under the Old Testament law? No. Verse 23, the next verse explains further, and this is his commandment. Okay, this is what he's talking about. Whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandment. What is his commandment? This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. So not only faith, but love is required. Without love, faith is feeble. Are you listening to me? So love is not how you feel about others. It's how you treat others. You know, I really love you. I really love you. I'm sorry I keep beating you up every night, but I really love you. No, no, that's not walking in love. <laughs> Faith is not, uh, uh, love is not just some kind of a sentimental feeling you have when you look at old photographs. It's how, that's human love. What about the God kind of love? It's, how, it's treating people the way Christ wants you to treat them, which is not always the easiest thing to do. It's certainly, there's no love in your flesh. Amen? So we often preach, Mark eleven twenty four. what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you have received them, and they'll be yours. Notice Jesus said, not believing that one day you'll get it, but believe that you have it already. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. We love verse 24. I do. But then immediately, verse 25. And whenever, verse Mark eleven twenty five. are you still here? And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anybody, forgive. That your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Why, after talking about mountain-moving faith, would Jesus immediately talk about forgiveness? Because faith doesn't work without love, and love forgives. So if you've prayed and you've not received an answer, maybe the first thing on your checklist would be, is there any unforgiveness in my heart? If you have anything against anybody, the International Children's Bible, hey, and, you know, it works. I, the International Children's Bible says this, when you are praying and you remember that you are angry with your husband, I'm sorry, and you are angry with another person about something, then forgive him. Notice he said, this verse says, when you are praying, not after you go home and three days later, when you're praying, I believe that I have received. Oh, yeah. 
I'm really ticked off at my neighbor. I'm really, I'm really irritated with my fellow church member. Well, right now, let's deal with this right now. Forgive. Keep a clean slate. Why? Because I want to be healed. I want to be healed. You can, you can be resentful and bitter, or you can be healed. Make up your mind. I think it's better to be healed. Besides, while you're all angry and bitter, that person's eating popcorn and walking in the sunshine. He doesn't even know that you feel that way. It doesn't affect him at all. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. The time's up. I feel so bad. Uh, uh, I, I close now. I'll close now. James chapter 5. We read this already. Verse 15. You know, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. The Lord will raise them up. One more little part. And if he has forgiven sins... He will be forgiven. You know, when, when I, my father had cancer a few years ago, and when I would talk to him, he would say things like, I'm, I'm not worthy to be healed. And uh, I haven't been a faithful Christian as I should have been. And there's so many things that I could have done and should have done. And, of course, he, he, he allowed that to keep him from being healed. In other words, he's saying, I don't deserve to be healed. I've got news for you. Nobody has ever deserved to be healed. <laughs> Nobody that Jesus healed deserved to be healed in, in the four Gospels or, or today. Notice when, when people came to Jesus for healing, he didn't say, are you worthy? Let me check your church attendance here. Oh, no, you only went on Mother's Day last year? Forget it. <laughs> it's good to be faithful, and there are benefits, and, and, and we, we talked about that in this message, touched on it, but... Jesus didn't heal people because they were good. He healed them because he's good. So don't let the enemy talk you out of healing. Hallelujah. So that means even your sins cannot keep you from being healed. Now he didn't say, he didn't say everybody that's sick has sinned. He didn't say everyone who, who is sick has sinned. Many people are sick not because they sinned, but because of the original sin. But he says if. If that, and that could be in some cases, but even then, he says, he will be forgiven. Even your sins can't keep you from being healed. If God is willing to save sinners, I know he's willing to heal his own family. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org 